0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Civility. I'm Robert Daniel. I'm Sarthak Sharma. And the pod is back. We've been gone quite a long time. We apologize. Uh, Sarthak, why were we gone?
1: Well, look, we were on quite a bit of a hiatus. Uh, Maybe a couple months, seems like a couple years, in Trump time.
0: We needed a break. We had to recharge. It's hard to keep up with the news. It's hard to keep up with Donald Trump.
1: But we felt that there was a pod that was really worth sharing with you guys because an issue came up that is near and dear to our heart, that I think, at least at this point, transcends a lot of the issues that we've been seeing in the news with things like Charlottesville and, and North Korea, um, and that to me is DACA.
0: DACA is the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. It's a program that President Obama started through executive order. Why is this, in, why is this causing so much controversy, Sarthic?
1: Well, like the the little-known secret right there that we have in this country is that illegal immigration is an issue. Uh, it's been an issue more so in the last couple of decades because we've seen such an influx of immigrants to this country, whether you stay with the, uh, with the side that says that's a good thing, whether you think that's a bad thing. In any case, the fact remains, we have a large immigrant population in this country. And at some point, Congress... And the executive branch needed to deal with that issue.
0: Well, did Congress was Congress ever able to deal with it? I feel like part of the reason we're at DACA is because of a complete inability for Congress to get anything done, to come to any type of consensus.
1: Well, the thing with uh, with illegal immigration and then DACA is that immigration of that sort is a really complex issue. It's nuanced as a lot of different areas. One of the major areas is what DACA addresses. And before we even get to DACA, you have to actually understand what that issue is, right? And that issue being, what do you do with the kids that these illegal immigrant parents brought uh, to this country? You had people that, you know, you have adults, they're 20, 30, 40. They have children that are three years old, four years old, five years old. The children didn't make the conscious decision to come over here to, quote, break the law. Uh, when they entered into this country, overstayed their visa, or uh, crossed this country by land. That was a decision the parents made.
0: So, uh, really, what society and what America has had to deal with is, how do you deal with these children who did nothing wrong, but yet are here and don't have lawful status? And
1: that really boils down to the fundamental question of, do you hold the children responsible for the illegal acts of their parents?
0: This is kind of an interesting issue from a policy perspective, Sarthic, because I feel like there is a consensus, for the most part, that we should not hold the children responsible for the actions of their parents. Mm-hmm. But yet we haven't been able to reach any legislative action.
1: Well, that's the thing, right? If you Most of the polls have said that, whether it's the Democratic side, the Republican side, Libertarian, Green Party, Weed Party, whatever party you want, there is a majority support for these undocumented dreamers to have a life in this country and the problem has become is that the political football has gone side to side democrat to republican on actually what the specifics of a quote dream act would be an act that either would give them lawful permanent residency whether it would give them amnesty path to citizenship all of these different issues have been debated Ad nauseam, without any kind of real uh, consensus on what to do moving forward.
0: Before we go on, let's let's take a look back at the historical perspective on basically immigration reform. Like you mentioned, this immigration issue has become a larger issue since the nineteen eighties. Really, I think I feel like Ronald Reagan was one of the first national politicians to bring it to the forefront. And one of the things that's interesting is to see kind of the uh, the change in policy thought in the Republican Party. From 1980 to present day. Um, and I think really that kind of speaks to how difficult the issue is to solve. Even in 1980, when Ronald Reagan was running, um, or when George H. W. Bush was running, and even George W. Bush, um, there seemed to be a consensus that there should be some type of pathway um, that especially for children who were brought here illegally. Um, but yet we've come so we've we've gotten so far off the off from those original policy views of the Republican Party, and we've had a complete inability to do this. Did uh, Cong- when, when was the last time Congress tried to pass any type of comprehensive immigration reform or DREAM Act? Well, it really is a situation
1: that is contingent on what you see as a DREAM Act. Right? Like Congress has been going back and forth, committee to committee, on what even is considered a DREAM Act, whether it's going to be something really limited that allows uh, these people to have a permit to stay uh, here year over year, or whether it's full citizenship. And we've seen versions of that over the past couple of decades. More specifically, we uh, we saw some attempts during President Clinton's presidency Uh, And also, even George W. Bush had ideas for an immigration policy that never really came to fruition. And it's not all on the Republicans, I don't think. Absolutely not. The Democrats have been in power as well, and they haven't done anything on this.
0: The Democrats, in fact, under Obama, um, attempted to pass a DREAM Act, and it fell a few votes short in cloture in the Senate. And I, it lacked it lacked Democratic votes as well. It wasn't just Republicans that wouldn't support it. Um, I think part of the reason why you see the political football being passed back and forth and there being an inability to get comprehensive immigration reform passed or getting DACA kind of memorialized in, in statutory language is that there's an inherent security issue that always gets tied up into any type of immigration reform.
1: What do you mean by security issues? Well, I mean
0: that whenever, inevitably, when anyone talks about dealing with um, comprehensive immigration reform, which is a broader term than, than DACA specifically, DACA is kind of the, a smaller subset of larger immigration reform. But whenever anyone talks about immigration reform in America, inevitably they talk about border security. And they talk about allotting money to either create a wall, as Donald Trump has popularized, or uh, money for uh, border agents, money for um, more uh, drone flights, you know, uh, access parameters, cameras. surveillance cameras, it, whatever it may be. And I think it's interesting because <clears throat> there's been an inability to separate that security issue from really just a, a more basic issue, which is DACA.
1: And look, that's fine. The issue is that you can bifurcate both of those. Right? You can. You don't have to necessarily address everything in one fell swoop, right? When you talk about some other uh, issue, let's say you talk about the military, you can have a talk about uh, increasing veterans' uh, health, veteran payments, without having to worry about are we going to fund a new aircraft carrier? Those are two different things, and that's what's happening here. Just because we want a stronger border doesn't mean you don't have to address the immigrant population that's already here. That I think is a trap that Republicans and Democrats both fall into. Democrats a lot of times fail to address the issue of continuing illegal immigration into this country. Absolutely. They don't. They talk about the people that are already here. Republicans fail to talk about the people that are already here and focus a lot of attention on what to do about continuing illegal immigration, and both sides have a point.
0: I think you're exactly right, and I think there needs to be some type of bifurcation of those two issues, especially when it comes to DACA. So when we looked at the history, we looked at, obviously, President Clinton made some attempts, George W. Bush made some attempts to pass DREAM Act-type legislation, and finally, and I guess most recently, President Obama attempted to pass DREAM Act legislation and called it um, one of the... um, biggest regrets of his presidency was the inability to get uh, Dream Act legislation passed. And we
1: see this in every situation now. The Congress has become so... Well, this country has become so hyper-partisan that it doesn't seem like there's any situation, any issue that one could name that gets broad support. If you even look at something like uh, Hurricane Sandy effort uh, funding, even that was... Uh, that was voted against by some uh, Republicans, for instance, like Ted Cruz. That, because of uh, quote-unquote pork that was in the bill, which was then found to actually not be accurate. But there's always an issue. People are always able to justify challenging any issue, and this is no different. So President Obama recognizing that this is a situation that directly affects people's everyday lives, hundreds of thousands of people's everyday lives, Finally, in 2012, by executive order, uh, had
0: DACA come into existence. And what, what did DACA do once he had that executive order put in place?
1: Well, the idea of DACA was to allow American residents who entered the country illegally as children, so these were the kids of those illegal immigrants that came here, to, temporary, or well, to receive temporary protection from deportation Uh, Get work permits and incentive to invest in their own human capital. The idea was that you have this influx uh, Of children these children have themselves done nothing wrong whatsoever It doesn't seem like they're going to be leaving It would cost a lot to try to find all these parents find these children round them up send them back Go through that whole dog and pony show Uh, and it just makes more sense to say if you're here you should positively impact this country and its economy.
0: And this is what I find so incredibly frustrating. There seems to be only one obvious answer going forward with regards to children that were brought here illegally. These children are not foreign in the sense that people might think or... Uh, in any sense, really. I mean, they are American in the sense that they grew up in America. They speak English for the most part. They go to American public schools. They work jobs in the economy. I mean, the there is no distinction other than a status. They essentially have every other aspect of American. They are Americans. They are Americans. And what is so frustrating is Congress, one, has not realized this obvious fact, or two, if they have realized it, they have the complete inability to address the problem. And really, it it creates a scenario where these children who are now in their 20s um, and maybe even 30s, maybe even have children of themselves that are now are birthright citizens. That have college educations,
1: that have, have high-paying jobs, that anyways, are contributing no criminal record, which is a requirement.
0: So it really it creates a situation where they are forced to live in the shadows if they don't have any type of more permanent legal status. DACA attempted to, to, to create some type of um, legal safeguard giving people two years before they would have to renew and send in another application. And as Sarthik just mentioned, part of that application required a criminal background check. Um, it required you know you to present certain papers and you to, to have
1: been here for a certain amount of time.
0: For a certain amount of time, it wasn't simply you could walk across the border and um, you know boom, voila, you're I'm doctor. a dreamer. You know it wasn't like that. And so
1: where are we now with that? Well, doctor? I think well before we get to that, I think okay. it is. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's really difficult to find a strong, rational argument against it. I actually trolled through some uh, different online websites, uh, Breitbart being one of those. And a lot, especially if you ever go to the comment section on Breitbart, it is quite the entertaining, colorful... You better buckle up. Right. Uh, And a lot of the arguments there have been, not just on their comment section, but in the articles themselves, have been against the parents themselves it's well the parents did something illegal but that doesn't really hold water when you're talking about the children and here's something that i can tell you robert's absolutely right the people that came here as children and have grown up uh when they came here at four five what have you they are americans in basically every sense of the word the person that is talking to you right now me i came here when i was seven years old from india so I still have a recollection of the country I came from. I am not Indian. I am an American. Right? I'm a U.S. citizen. So that's a little bit different. But that citizenship isn't what defines my Americanness. Right? It's the fact that I've grown up in Mississippi. I've you know gone to college there. I went to law school in Georgia. I've worked for congressmen. I've like the things that I've done, the friends that I've made, the experiences that I've had. what make me an american and that's the same situation for these kids they've done the same a lot of them are doctors they're lawyers engineers they work in government a lot of them work in the military and law enforcement they were on the front lines helping with disaster relief after harvey or way back after katrina or down in florida for irma they're doing the things that americans do they just don't have the same status and daca was created as a uh, temporary situation so that Congress could get their act together and finally pass a DREAM Act. And that's not something that they did yet. So you asked, where is DACA now? Well, DACA doesn't really exist or, well, it won't exist in the next six months because President Trump and Jeff Sessions have decided that that whole program
0: just doesn't need to exist anymore, at least not through executive order. Well what's the rationale? I know you talked about perusing Breitbart, which you know I for one commend you on doing. but what's the rationale on the on the Trump administration's part and on Jeff Sessions' part for removing this program, which for all intensive purposes, seems to actually work? A, a
1: couple of points to that. I think what I've found are two different kinds of rationales, one of which, does actually make sense. The first one that doesn't really make a lot of sense is the idea that DACA just on the face is unconstitutional or that or that it's illegal. I've actually heard some surrogates for the Trump administration say that DACA is illegal. It's hard to say it's illegal because what part of DACA still existed today had not been uh, struck down by any kind of court. Supreme Court hadn't heard uh, anything on there. So it's not technically illegal. And
0: certainly, you know... Whether it's legal or not is, like you said, something for a court to decide. It, it, to me, that's kind of a false argument, you know, because it hasn't been this considered illegal. And certainly, they could litigate that. They could argue it. And I think there are some legitimate arguments to be made that it, in fact, is, you know, a case-by-case use of prosec- prosecutorial discretion um, in a way that utilizes resources most effectively. I mean, I think that there's a very compelling argument to that.
1: And just as a real quick aside, if people aren't aware, I guess, of what prosecutorial discretion is, it's really just what it's saying. And prosecutors have kind of a, a hierarchy of importance on things that they're really worried about getting in court and working through, and DACA kind of puts The idea of deporting these kids kind of on the back burner for prosecutors, they focus on other things, which really all that makes
0: sense. And if you're sitting there listening, you know, think about that. Do you want them to spend your tax dollars and money? Going after children that were brought here illegally who haven't committed violent crimes.
1: Any really, any crimes? Really, at at most, they they could have, I think, a small misdemeanor. Exactly. The only thing they can have. Exactly.
0: And Um, do you want to spend your money doing that, or or is there another avenue that you you would think is more effective as a listener?
1: So that's that's one of those arguments. The second one is the idea that this is not something that the executive branch, the president, should be doing. This is. Uh, taking or usurping the powers of the legislature because what started out as a temporary uh, stopgap measure for Congress to, again, get their act together has now basically become a semi-permanent being. And so they just needed to put a hardline stance on this is how many months you have to get it together and pass it. And if you really cared about it, you would do it. If you don't care about it, then you won't do it.
0: Well, and I I find that argument, you know, not super compelling either, And, and here's why. You know, one, nothing is stopping Congress from passing legislation while the DREAM Act exists. And this idea that we're going to repeal it and get rid of it, and all of a sudden, Congress is going to have six months to be inspired and get something done, seems absolutely ridiculous. There are a ton of things that Congress is going to have to do in the next six months. Raise the debt ceiling, which they have a temporary agreement to do. They're going to have to pass hurricane funding for Harvey, probably for Irma as well. Um, tax reform, tax infrastructure, infrastructure,
1: possibly health care again. Take a fourth crack at that.
0: So the idea that, you know, by getting giving a six-month window for Congress to do something, I think is really just a lie, to be honest.
1: Well, therein lies the beauty of this entire gambit from the Trump administration. This is similar to me saying to someone that lives in Mississippi or uh, Louisiana that if you drive here to Atlanta within one hour... I'll give you a million dollars. I'm giving you a time to do it, but we all know that it is realistically impossible for you to do that. That's exactly what's happening here. If you look at it in a vacuum, sure, Congress could pass the DREAM Act within six months, they could get it through committee, they could streamline it, it could be done. But looking at the circumstances that exist in our current political climate, it's impossible. Just like you mentioned, there are way too many things already on the congressional agenda, and combine that with the hyper-partisanship that exists for every single issue out there, it becomes almost impossible, basically impossible, for Congress to go ahead and streamline a full overhaul of our immigration system which is what the dream act would
0: be so we here have basically just outlined the fact that we don't think congress will get anything meaning anything meaningful done in the next six months and so ultimately i think that means that um daca will end it will be over Um, the question
1: then becomes how does that play in the midterms 2018 because what's happening is if daca fails there are going to be a lot of potential voters in the immigrant community, so you're looking at Hispanic voters, Indian voters, Asian voters, that are going to be really upset because they're going to have family or friends that were recipients of uh, the work permits, of the protections that DACA offered, and that could be a driving force for them
0: to get out and vote. Well, I hope that everyone, not just people who identify with minority groups, but I hope that everyone can see that Really, this is no way to go about dealing with the issue. You know, this is kind of ignoring the problem. Um, We're not going to round these people up. We're not going to create deportation task task force that find these people and then carry them back to wherever country they came from. Now, these children have no ties to those countries. Remember that. They were brought here at a young age. So it's not as if they can move back to Mexico or Guatemala or Nicaragua or wherever it may be and immediately fit back into a culture they don't speak the language right well they aren't nicaraguan or mexican or you know honduran they're not from those countries
1: and that is the extended emotional argument that i think is really the more important argument there's also the very quick hardline economic argument for that right uh rounding up the approximately 750 or so thousand uh people that are currently in the daca program would cost at a conservative amount, over $60 billion to the federal government, along with the $280 billion reduction in economic growth over the next decade, not to even discuss what would happen to the children of those people, what kind of impact it would have on our infrastructure in terms of the positions that they have as doctors, engineers, lawyers, government officials, police officers, what have you. What happens in all of those situations, that affects our economy at a time when we keep talking about wanting our economy to get away from the recession from a few years, these are kinds of events that could bring us back to that, uh, that problem. And I kind of want to transition, as we were talking about the midterms, to one other issue that exists with that, is that what we're going to see after the six months, if Congress doesn't pass a Dream Act, which they probably won't, which they won't. And into the midterms is confusion. So Donald Trump has talked about how he wants Congress to, quote, figure it out, but he doesn't actually say what he wants them to do. No no Republican has come out and said exactly what we should
0: be doing, just that we should figure it out, but no one knows what that means. So do you think that Donald Trump ending DACA in some way was him attempting to gain leverage to fund a border wall? You know, in in a sense that if, if he eliminates this program, there'll be a push in Congress to get this program back. And the compromise will be, if we create a legislative version of DACA, okay, well, you need to go fund my border wall as well. So, which is giving Donald Trump a lot of Kind of the chess like fourth yeah. dimensional chess that he's playing exactly, which I, I mean, and I don't think obviously he's not listening to the pod, so he's probably like he won
1: cool. the election right and he, he
0: draws all the crowds. exactly. So. so I mean, but he's not listening to the pod, so you know he's probably not playing four dimensional chess like Starthick and I are doing it right now as we record this. Maybe if we
1: rename the pod Fox and Friends, he would listen. Do you think?
0: I mean, I think we might run into some copyright issues, but there. it might might also work.
1: might work, but given uh, what you're saying. He could try to do that, but one, we're still unclear on where that border wall funding is coming from. But Congress is having enough issues getting any kind of budget passed. We have no idea what the actual cost of the wall will be. There have been no uh, hiring of experts, no architects, nobody to look into what the cost of that wall would be. Who's actually paying for it? Is it the American citizen? Is it Mexico?
0: It's not, paying,
1: it's not Mexico. It's not Mexico. I'm sorry. It's probably not going to be. Some breaking
0: news here on the pod. It will not be Mexico.
1: We were going to have, uh, we were going to have a quote government shutdown over this, but that's been taken back. So we don't. So I think the wall issue is so far into the future because we still have to look at tax reform infrastructure, that I don't think that that's really going to tie into DACA. What it does seem like he's doing by being vague on the future that he wants is trying to appease both sides. He's yeah. trying to uh, let the people on DACA, again, quote, sleep easy, rest easy. And he's also trying to appease his base that just doesn't want any immigrants around whatsoever. And I shouldn't th- even be doing this pod.
0: So, I mean, sort of thing, do you, I mean, you kind of just hit on it. And something I, I've been wanting to touch on briefly, do you think this has come out of just this heightened fear of otherness that we've found in this country. In this, in, Absolutely. I mean, you can't escape this issue without talking about Donald Trump's language when he talks about bad hombres, when he talks about Mexicans coming across the border and raping people and killing people, when he highlights um, violent crimes that certain immigrant groups have, individuals in certain immigrant groups have committed. And then he, he just kind of you know, pushes his crowd to extrapolate from that individual equality to the whole
1: one of the biggest problems that i have and i'm going to step a little bit out of the the civil discourse here one of the biggest problems that i have with not just donald trump but a very core group of trump supporters not all but a very core group is that they mistake they make a mistake that is made every day by a lot of people in lesser circumstances which is they equate someone's status as a person from a country into whatever crime they might commit right somehow just being linked means that you did it so what i mean by that is because someone has uh it was mexican and they get convicted of raping someone they did it because they were Mexican or because they were an illegal immigrant.
0: Or, or I feel like there's an insinuation that um, they were more likely to do it or that um, people of that group do these things, which really doesn't make any sense to me in, in the big scheme of things. It doesn't seem to be a valid point.
1: Correlation does not equal causation. Because a person is from Honduras or India or Pakistan, Mexico, whatever country, because that person is from that country, does not mean that is why they raped someone, or because they came here illegally, does not mean that is why that person may be a thief. That person just was a thief, right? Americans pillage, rape, they they do, they steal, right? People do that because people do that, not because they're from a country. So when I see an article on something like Fox News or Breitbart that talks about, well, you know, this person X is an illegal immigrant who raped someone, what that headline is doing is it's equating that person's crime with just their status as a person.
0: And really that's a, that's a terrible way to begin the conversation. And it's, it's doing a disservice to people because it, it is playing on people's emotions, playing on people's fears, and it's creating a sense that otherness is inherently bad, or inherently linked to crime, or inherently linked to something anti your own personal values, which could not be more antithetical to the purpose of America as it was founded and laid out when we originally started this country. E Pluribus Unum, out of many, one. You have people coming from from several different countries, settling in America. And they were able to make this work. And therein
1: lies the nationalism at the heart of all of this. There's this idea that America should just be this specific thing that a lot of people have in their minds. And if you don't seem like you fit that criteria, then you don't belong here because that's not the good old days. But I'm still waiting, I'm 27 years old, came here when I was seven, I am still waiting on someone to tell me what an American looks like, or what the good old days were, when there, what kind of group actually is American? Am I American? We're like, where, where do I fit into that category? Where do all these people fit into those categories? Because as far as I'm concerned, America, like you said, is a melting pot, right? To be an American is to be someone that is Pro-diversity. Because you go to any big city, you're going, or even these days, any suburb, you're going to see diversity. There is no circumstance where we just decide that we should flip the script and send everybody back Um, while still understanding that we are a country with a border and actual sovereignty, and we should respect that. But there's a difference, there's a medium there that I don't think a lot of people maybe are addressing
0: so I think what that what we just talked about is kind of the 20,000 foot level of the current situation in American politics and immigration and the history of America and how there's that tension in between but here's something I want to talk about briefly Sarthik. what are the solutions you know what is an outline going forward for how we think we should handle this, and how we think um, we can resolve this problem in any way that stays true to our values, recognizes the sense of security that we need?
1: That is a big question. Yeah, absolutely. finding out the solution to this. I don't think any solution we come up with today is going to be the silver bullet that just absolutely. gets both sides, all, all the sides on the same page. But there are, I think, some real world solutions that would be uh, appeal, uh, that would be worth getting different sides together. And so I think the first step to that is understanding that the parents that came here illegally are separate from the children that they brought with them.
0: Correct, yeah. I think separating that allows you to begin to solve the problem. So
1: there doesn't need to be one singular policy that we attack both of those sides with. Uh, With that being said, I think the idea of a path to citizenship should be in the conversation for the children. Yeah. For the children who came here that are really only legally citizens of the country they came with, from, but in no other circumstance are they citizens of of that country or really members of of anything that country, you know, its diaspora uh, might offer. The parents the parents did absolutely break the law. But at the same time, you have to understand that coming here illegally and and staying here illegally is different from murdering someone or stealing from someone or raping someone. They're absolutely different crimes.
0: We have to be able to separate that. That's, that's part of the key to solving this problem is recognizing that parents who did break the law and come here illegally, you know, they're not the same as a violent criminal. And so the solution is not to lock them up. The solution is not to deport them. The solution, I think, as you were outlining, is some type of lawful status that recognizes that they broke the law and maybe has some sort of penalty or pathway or taxes that must be paid um, to create that lawful status. So
1: here's the distilled elevator pitch for what I think we could really do here. So for the kids first... If you came here and qualify for something like DACA, which is really thorough in what its qualifications are, you should definitely have a path, to, a legal path to citizenship. Now that right there could mean you have to look at, examine birthright citizenship status, or just in general, what happens to these kids. So if they come here, let's say they come here and have stayed here for five years um, when they apply, if they make it to their 18th birthday or their 21st birthday, and have committed no crimes, or the worst that they've committed is like one minor misdemeanor or something, yeah. uh, but they have a pretty spotless record, their parents have paid taxes, and they have, you know, they've been doing what you're supposed to be doing as an American, which is not committing crimes, you should have a pathway then to be able to apply for citizenship. And that, that right there would be for the kids. For the parents, if you came here illegally, I can understand the argument that you should not become a citizen. Right. There are things that we are, like citizens get to do, like vote, uh, that I don't think you earn the right to do. But that doesn't mean you need to get rounded up and deported. Instead, if you pay your taxes for a long amount of years, something like 10 years, 15 years, and you pay your taxes, you don't commit crimes, same thing for the DACA recipients, then you should be able to apply for a green card and permanent residency so that you can feel secure in living your life In America be able to get a job to afford living here but not have the full citizenship that we give to people that did not break the law
0: I mean that's it I think that right there outlines some key distinctions and as I said earlier Um, Wait, should
1: I have announced my run for Congress right there at the end of that? Did I I miss an opportunity? That was the end of the elevator pitch, right?
0: You you were on a roll. The elevator just reached its floor, and I think it was the top floor, if you know what I mean. So I think that really what Sarthak is saying is the way forward on this. Um, But I think that the reason that we'll have trouble going that pathway forward is because for some reason we have this heightened sense of otherness that people are stirring and putting gas on. And we also have just an inability to recognize and solve a problem. The problem that won't go away, a problem that DACA tried to fix, but it was not a permanent solution. It was never designed to be a permanent solution. Really, the problem is we need to have a mental change, a change in our perspective as to how we're going to deal with this problem going forward. And my
1: plea to the people listening is... Don't take an absolutist position on everything like understand that the gray area exists and Solutions are often found in that gray area
0: and also understand that simply ignoring a problem It it won't make it go away. I understand if you are upset that People came to this country illegally or that the border wasn't secure enough that it allowed people to come in but that does not that does not deal with the fact that people are here and they're not going away. Um, and rounding up and deporting hundreds of thousands of people is not a pathway forward. So I think if we can change our perspective and kind of bifurcate the problems and the issues, then we we can actually maybe get some get some ground on this issue. Look, you
1: guys can... Be,
0: if you're against this, you can be
1: salty. That's fine. You, you get to do that. But there are also a lot of other flavors out there.
0: So you should try some. So... <laughs> That is a, a final plea for diversity in both flavor and in politics. So, I mean, you get you can't beat that on Pod Civility. I know we're rusty and we it's been a while, but I hope you enjoyed this episode of Pod Civility. If you liked this episode, uh, you can give us five stars on iTunes. You can write a review. You can subscribe. You could post it on any platform, social media, even LinkedIn. Talk about your third quarter results. Yeah. And this last episode of Pod Civility. Nothing there's there's no that.
1: gray area on clicking subscribe or giving five stars. Folks, it's G- give easy to the... do.
0: And if you want us to no longer take breaks, we'll do that. All right. Thanks, and we'll see you next time on Pod Civility. Take care.